Bible, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin, not just a young girl, but a young pure girl, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I want to speak to you tonight on the miracles of Christmas. God bless you. Please be seated. The theme of this coming Sunday is wonderful, our Christmas concert slash service. He is wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. That's who Jesus is. He embodied all those roles in his flesh. His government shall continue forever and ever. The Hebrew word translated wonderful and indicates something that is Uncommon, that is out of the ordinary. A phenomenon that lies outside the realm of human explanation. It is miraculous, the name of Jesus Christ. Something that cannot be explained by human reasoning. That's who Jesus is. He is the wonderful counselor. He is wonderful. Amen. So wonderful is not just snow and sleighs or Santa or surprise gifts, wonderful is Jesus, amen, this season of the year. I've seen lately a lot about Advent, heard about Advent, and I just wanted to throw this in kind of as an extra idea, uh, God's plan. Advent, showing up in church language, seems like this year more than normal. It means coming. It can mean the first coming or the second coming. And in, in the New Testament, it referred to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the parousia, the catching away of the saints. But his first advent was Christmas season, the beginning of this year for many Christian churches. Uh, this month and the three Wednesdays that we have before Christmas, it is my intention to speak tonight on the miracles of Christmas, next Wednesday night the message of Christmas, and the third Wednesday night on the mission of Christmas. We'll see how that unfolds. Amen. If we can get it right. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the miracles of Christmas. And I'm not going to deal with these events in order. I'm going to save, I hope, the best for last. But I want to talk about the miracles of prophecy, the census that was given, the angelic announcement, the Zachariah and Elizabeth story, Simeon and Anna, the wise men, the provision and protection of God, and the virgin birth. So, Please put on your mental tennis shoes, running shoes, and I may summarize some of these stories that are all amazing. You could preach on each one of them. I want to start with the miracle of prophecy. Prophecy is God's way of preparing us for the future by predicting the future. According to Isaiah 46, God knows the end from the beginning. He calls those things that are not, that have not yet taken place, as though they already were. God can write history in advance. Before it ever happens, He can write about it with the accuracy of it being in the past. Uh, J. Barton Payne, in his Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy, he lists 1,239 prophecies in the Old Testament. 578 prophecies in the New, 
A total of 1,817 prophecies. It depends on how you break them down. And there could be various ideas about that. But that would be pretty close. It encompasses 8,352 verses in your Bible. Scholars have said that there are maybe 300 prophecies that relate to Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And someone wanted to figure out the mathematic probability of those prophecies coming true. So... Peter Stoner, who's the chairman, who was the chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy, Pasadena College years ago, was passionate about biblical prophecies. He had 600 students, and they looked at eight, not 80 or 800, but eight specific prophecies about Jesus, and they wanted to calculate mathematical probabilities of those eight prophecies coming true in any one man. So they decided that after all their work, that that would be equal to 1 in 10 to the 17th power of coming true. That could happen by probability, not by divine providence. In other words, God did not orchestrate it. It just happened by random selection, as they would say, right? So he said it would be like this. Take 10 tickets, mark one of them, place them in a hat, stir them up, blindfold a man, have him pick one of those out randomly, it would be 1 in 10. But imagine 10 to the 17th power. He said, take that many silver dollars and lay them on the face of Texas. They will cover the state two feet deep. Then mark one of those silver dollars and stir that mass up all over the state of Texas. Not quite as big as Alaska, but a giant state. Blindfold that same man and tell him that he can travel throughout the state of Texas as much as he wants. He can take as long as he wants, but eventually he has to reach down and pick up that one silver dollar that has been marked. And the probability of him picking up that one coin would be 1 in 10 to the 17th power. But when God orchestrates the future, there is no probability There is only certainty. Amen. In the Old Testament, it was prophesied that the Messiah would come through the lineage of Abraham, Genesis 12 and 2. It was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Acts 3, 25 and 26 speaks of this. There was the prophecy that God's covenant would come through Isaac's ancestors, Genesis 17, 19. It came to pass in Jesus as Romans 9 and 7 says. The Bible said that the nations would be blessed through the offspring of Jacob. Prophesied in Genesis 28, 14. Fulfilled in Jesus in the genealogy that Luke recorded in Luke 3, 34. The scepter would come through Judah, the tribe of Judah. Prophesied in Genesis 49, 10. It came to pass in Jesus, Luke 3, 33, in the genealogies. David would have an eternal kingdom through his offspring, prophesied in 2 Samuel 7 and 12, came to pass in Jesus as recorded in Matthew 1 and 1. A virgin would give birth. He would be called Emmanuel, prophesied in Isaiah 7.14, our text. It came to pass in Jesus according to Luke 1.35. The Messiah would spend some time in Egypt, prophesied in Hosea 11.1. Out of Egypt have I brought my son, fulfilled in Jesus in Matthew 2.14 and 15. 
Jesus Christ would be born, or the Messiah, in Bethlehem, prophesied in Micah 5 and 2, fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. According to Matthew chapter 2, he was born in Bethlehem and confirmed also in Luke. Jesus Christ was born of the seed of Abraham through David in Bethlehem, fulfilled Bible prophecies is only one of the many miracles of Christmas. The second miracle I want to discuss is the census taken by the most important or most powerful man in the world, Luke 2, 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. What's the probability that this would happen in the time of Mary conceiving and bringing Jesus into the world. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he, and also Mary, were of the house and lineage of David. So they make this 90 to 100 mile trip. Mary, we know, is great with child. Verse 5. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. We can read it now. Being great with child. She's at least in the last trimester. And so it was that while they were there, maybe not on the first night, but while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Matthew confirms that it was Bethlehem where Jesus was born. As I mentioned earlier in those prophecies, and I have all those scriptures in my notes. Now the Bible is clear. I'm talking about Caesar Augustus mandating a worldwide census and taxation. For the Bible is very clear that God rules in government. Amen. Exodus 4.21 God hardened Pharaoh's heart. There are many, many scriptures about Pharaoh's heart being hardened. Exodus 4.21 Exodus 14.17 and 18 God allowed Pharaoh's heart to be hardened so Israel would be delivered and then Egypt, that army would be destroyed. In Daniel chapter 4, 17, speaking about God's rule, that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. He gives it to whomever He will and settles it over the basest of men. I've seen some base men and women in politics. Sometimes God does that. The Lord in Daniel chapter 4, excuse me, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar gets some time in the Bible, a pagan king of Babylon. At the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed, pagan king Nebuchadnezzar blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to His will in the army of heaven 
and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain or stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? He does not answer to anyone. And that God moved on Caesar Augustus to call for a worldwide census and taxation. Proverbs 21.1 said that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. In Acts 2.23 about the crucifixion of Jesus, Peter's preaching that it was by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. In other words, God called this shot long before it ever happened. Acts 4.27, again the preaching of the apostle Peter, Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, People of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand, this is their prayer, and thy counsel determine before to be done. They're just doing what God said they would do long before it happened. And I just want you to know that there are some discouraging things that happen in our lives and in our world. But one of the miracles of Christmas is that God would move on the heart of a pagan emperor and say, make everyone go back to their homeland, to their home city. And everybody went back to the city of their origin, of their lineage, including Joseph and Mary. And it got Mary back to Bethlehem so Jesus could be born there. And the Bible is very clear that it was to fulfill the scripture. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.8 wrote about the mystery that God ordained. And none of the princes of this world knew. If they would have known, Paul says, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They were working against God, but for God's ultimate plan. Revelation 17.16 About the end of time, the Bible said, For God had put in their hearts pagan rulers to fulfill His will. So I just want you to know that there's a lot of miracles about Christmas that we can celebrate in the past and expect to happen again in the present and in the future. The Lord engineered a census for the entire world to move Mary to Bethlehem for the birth of of Jesus Christ. And then there was this miraculous angelic announcement. There were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. There's a lot of fascinating things. I'm going to kind of peruse this section of my notes. I have way too many notes tonight. Everybody that's seen them agrees. If you're going to announce your arrival on planet, your almighty God, who would you announce it to? You're going to send an angel to announce it. Maybe King Herod, the religious leaders, famous and rich people, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. Who would you tell you're coming? Now, that story might get suppressed if you tell the wrong people. But Almighty God appeared to blue-collar shepherds who were actually looked down upon. They were what we would have considered to be low class people but to them there is an angel that appeared on that lonely night Luke 2 9 
And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The same glory appeared to Abraham while he dwelt in Ur of the Chaldees. It's the same glory that appeared in the tabernacle. The same glory that appeared in Solomon's temple. The same glory that Ezekiel saw when he was in the temple. It's the same glory because God's glory is from everlasting to everlasting. And now that glory appears in the field to shepherds. Shining glory of God and they were scared out of their mind. The angel announces to them, this is now Luke chapter 2 verse 10. And the angel said unto them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That's the message of Christmas. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You're going to have a sign. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, strips of cloth, maybe for poor kids, Maybe not, it's debatable, lying in a manger. You're going to see this sign. So these shepherds hear this angelic announcement. Then verse 13, Luke 2, 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, can you imagine an angel and then thousands of angels? pretty incredible if you've ever been somewhere I had something pop in my mind just now the most stars I've ever seen in my lifetime that you felt like you could reach up and grab them amen happened to be in the southern hemisphere is unbelievable but now it's not stars it's angels and they're saying glory to God in the highest and now on earth peace goodwill toward men this powerful message was glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The shepherds, they leave and they go to Bethlehem to see what the Lord said. And after they saw baby Jesus, they went and told they were the first human witnesses of the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And everybody that heard their message wondered at the tremendous insights But there was this supernatural, there was this miraculous announcement and miraculous, we call it an angelic choir, but the Bible doesn't say they were singing, they were saying. Maybe it was to music and anyway the shepherds come and they go. That is an amazing story. I told you I wasn't going to go in order, but there is the miracle of Zechariah and Elizabeth. This is an old couple She's always been barren. Now they're too old to have a baby. He's a priest, and he gets the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to offer incense. Goes in before the Lord. The Lord tells Zechariah that he and Elizabeth are going to have a baby, and he can't believe it. He doesn't believe it. And he doesn't get to speak for at least nine months. But Zechariah and Elizabeth, part of maybe 20,000 priests of that time and 24 teams or courses of priests. and They're both priests' kids and they're very special people. They're righteous, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of God. Their lives were blameless before the Lord. This is one of my 
favorite, all their favorite Christmas stories, depends on which one you're reading, right? But what's amazing about this story is that their names are very significant. Gabriel speaks to him. Gabriel's really busy, by the way, this particular time in human history. And he tells Zachariah that the baby's name is going to be John. You may remember when he's born, all the neighbors are trying to name him Zachariah or Daryl Wesley or some family name. But I know his name is going to be John. You just do what God says, right? And, you know, Zachariah is healed. And it's an amazing story that God does through them. Uh, but here, here's a couple things that I want to mention to you that Zachariah's name means the Lord remembers. And Elizabeth's name means the oath or covenant of our God. So when Zachariah and Elizabeth got named as little kids, little babies, they had no idea that through their life, through their barrenness, through their unanswered prayer, the Lord says, the angel Gabriel says, the Lord's heard your prayer. They prayed about this. But the Lord is saying to them, the Lord remembers the oath or covenant of God, that God never forgets His promises. And this miracle of the birth of John the Baptist through Zachariah and Elizabeth is one of the amazing stories. And it is John who breaks 400 years of silence, who introduces Jesus Christ, behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, who brings the nation to repentance. After Jesus is born, on the eighth day he is circumcised. On the 40th day he's presented, him, presented in the temple, and we would, we would call this baby dedication, right? While they are there, there is this old man named Simeon, Luke 2.25. And he's devout, he's waiting on the consolation of Israel, which means the Messiah. And God had promised him that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. So this day, the 40th day that Jesus is on this earth, Joseph and Mary are in the temple. And Simeon, led by the Holy Ghost, walks in the temple. And when he sees them, he knows. And he takes 40-day-old Jesus up in his arms. And he blesses him and says, Lord, now your servant can depart in peace, for I have seen thy salvation. He prophesies over baby Jesus and Mary that a sword will pierce through her own soul also. Jesus will be set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. He's going to be the decision point of history for all people. This is an amazing story. Right after Simeon makes his entrance and exit, Anna, who's a lady who was married for a few years and widowed for many, many years. She's perhaps, she's been widowed for 84 years. She, let's just say she got married at about 16, but... She could have been 107 years old, but let's just say she's a very old lady, Anna. Well, she spends her life praying and fasting and seeking God, and she comes in and she recognizes who Jesus is. That is an amazing miracle. Then there's the miracle of the wise men. I told you we're not going in order because they come probably two years after Jesus is born. He's not an infant in a manger. He's a young child in a house. They're still in Bethlehem. 
But I want to talk about them because Matthew portrays Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews, the king of the world. So it's fitting that these wise men bring gifts fit for a king. Matthew 2 speaks of this. They're wise men, magi from the east. They come to Jerusalem. And they're asking, where is he that has been born? King of the Jews, we've seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. Now, when Herod and all Jerusalem heard this, they were very worried because they thought Herod was king. And now they say there's a baby that's been born king of the Jews. You may or may not know the story uh, of the wise men. We're not sure how they knew. They might have known from Jews of the dispersion who lived in the east where they were from. They may have been from Persia, Arabia, Babylonia. We don't know, but they're from the east. The Messiah was known in prophecy and taught in every synagogue that he would come. The Jews still pray today that the Messiah would come. Unfortunately, many of them missed him by a couple of millennia. But they come to worship him. You know, Herod is super upset about this and He's very insecure. He's killed some of his own family members. And so he will try to kill the infant, the toddler, Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot of speculation about what this star was. Was it an alignment of planet, an alignment of stars? But I have always maintained by the Bible that this star was a supernatural light. Because the star that they saw in the east... When they left Herod to go to Bethlehem, because Herod gets his scholars to go get a Bible to find out where he's going to be born, and they say Bethlehem. They find out from Micah that it is Bethlehem. So the wise men leave Bethlehem to go, excuse me, leave Jerusalem to go to Bethlehem. And the same star they saw in the east reappeared. And it guided them to Bethlehem. And that star stood over the house where the young child and his mother were. Joseph must have been out working that day. There's no mention of him at that point. But he's still alive. He probably died before Jesus began his ministry, perhaps. But he's still around. So this is an amazing thing. That this star... Appears, disappears, reappears, guides him to the very house. And then they would give him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gifts fit for a king that would allow the next thing I'll talk about, the provision that God gave through them. There is the miracle of the star and the wise men, a Christmas miracle. But then through them, there is the miracle of provision. When Joseph and Mary give their offering, they give two turtle doves. And if you study out those offerings, it was a gift of poor people. When they go to Bethlehem, they're moving. He's a carpenter. They don't have a lot of means, but now they have a little money. And when Herod threatens them and God appears to Joseph in a dream... When they've got to flee Bethlehem to go down to Egypt, now they've got some money to make a journey. And they flee there because God provided in advance. 
I want to refer back to the message of Brother Tess Stewart. I was out of town. I told you I watched it online. It was an amazing message. We say he's Jehovah Jireh, the, the provider. But it means the Lord who sees. He sees ahead. It's provision. The vision of what is needed in advance. What a great insight in his message. So here is God who is providing in advance for Joseph and Mary. It is miraculous provision. It is also miraculous protection. Because God will get Joseph and Mary and two-year-old perhaps Jesus out of Bethlehem, out of the country, into a foreign country. But it will fulfill scripture out of Egypt, have I brought my son. Now there's multiple things. God can do many things at the same time. He's not like us who are you know, just happy if we can do one thing at a time. God orchestrates the events of human history and He gives protection, provision first, and then protection when the infants in Bethlehem were slaughtered. They return to Nazareth. They're going to go to Bethlehem, but another dream, and Joseph is warned. warned. They go back to Bethlehem, but that also, according to Matthew 2.23, that it fulfills a prophecy of the Old Testament. This is one of the miracles of Christmas. And then there is the miracle that is the reason for every other miracle. That is that God would look for an intercessor. He would find none. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But all the way back into Genesis, in the garden where the Lord said, a descendant of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. He is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This is not God reacting. This is God acting in advance. Amen. So... This is Jesus Christ being born in Bethlehem. Amen. So I want to talk about this miraculous appearance to, to Mary. Gabriel, as I mentioned, is very busy in this season of his life. And um, so now I have touched my screen and we are somewhere just far, far away. But we're going to get right back, maybe. Maybe, 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 maybe. If you're watching online, pray for me. Like, comment, and share. So, this is six months after Gabriel has appeared to Zacharias. This is the angel who stands in the presence of God. And he comes to Nazareth, this beautiful town nestled in the hills of Galilee. Fishing and agriculture, not all the religiosity of... Judea and Jerusalem and he appears to Mary this young woman Luke 1 26 on the screens Luke 1 26 and in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary so we learn a lot don't we in those verses we learn a lot 
that Joseph and Mary are betrothed. It's more serious than engagement. It's contractual. There's no consummation of the marriage. Mary is a virgin. Joseph, we learn, is a just man. He's a godly man. This is a godly young couple. And Gabriel speaks to her. Verse 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now there are many, many insights in this verse. Mary now, verse 29, is afraid. When she saw him, she's troubled at his saying. And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Now most of the time... If God is going to appear to you, speak to you, an angel appears to you in the Bible, you know, people are usually afraid, right? I mean, you read your Bible, they're afraid. This is not a ghost, this is not a devil, this is an angel of the Lord, but it doesn't happen every day. And maybe like us, we kind of fear that we're not really up to par, and that if God appeared to us, it'd be because we're in a lot of trouble. You might be surprised how proud he is of you. That you're favored of the Lord because of your godly life. So even Mary, Virgin Mary, Godly Mary, finding favor with God. Mary found favor not just because she's of the lineage of David, but by her moral life. Mary knows the Bible in her, her song that's called the Magnificat. She will quote scripture. She will have, she'll demonstrate incredible spiritual insight. Mary is amazing. And the angel has to kind of calm her down that she's favored and blessed. It's an overwhelming greeting for her, this virtuous woman. Now they say that Jewish girls, you know, wanted to be married, wanted to have children, wanted to have sons. And maybe a long shot dream would be to, to be the mother of the Messiah. Wow, one person in human history would get to be that person. And it was Mary. But this is an incredible thing about Mary. She's found, verse 30, The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Finding favor, to me, indicates that she did something more than the luck of the draw to find favor from the Lord. I've already mentioned this, but a virgin, humble, a pondering soul, one of my favorite words, and knows the Bible and all of that. Highly favored to the Lord. Verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. His name for the first time. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne. This Jewish girl, not royalty, is going to have a baby and God is going to give her baby the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. That's heaven, that's eternity, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now the name Jesus comes from the Old Testament name Jehovah Hoshea, Jehovah Savior. Joshua saved Israel from their enemies. Jesus will save us from our sins. The Lord saves. Jesus Christ, the Lord saves. 
His kingdom is eternal. He is a king over his kingdom. Verse 34 is Mary's response. Then said Mary to the angel, How shall this be? This is the miracle of miracles of Christmas. How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? I'm not planning to compromise that, by the way. Mary would not say, but she's implying this. She's engaged, betrothed, but not married. Compromise is not a consideration for her. And then the angel has to explain. Verse 35. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now one is apostolic people, one is Pentecostal people. We have no question about God with us. The Holy Ghost overshadowing you. We don't see a second, third person in a non-biblical concept of a triune God overshadowing Mary. He's the Son of God and overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. We understand the Holy Spirit is the agent of God. Is God at work. God reducing Himself to a single cell. Mary is not just an incubator as some heretics believe that God did it all in her womb like she had no contribution of DNA or humanity. He is God-man. He is, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. He's the Lamb of God. He had to have flesh and blood and bone. He had to be a man. He had to be tempted in all points like as us, yet without sin, to be a merciful high priest. So many things about who he would be. Gabriel lets her know that this will be a miracle. This will be what some people call the immaculate conception. It has never happened before. It will never happen again. It is the miracle of the miracles of Christmas that brought salvation to this world. And then the angel Gabriel wants to really assure Mary. Verse 36. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth. She hath also conceived a son in her old age. It's not a virgin birth. But it is a miraculous conception. And I would think all the way through for this old woman to conceive and carry a child is an amazing miracle. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Now I love this because it does not matter how impossible your predicament may seem. Amen. She was called barren, but she's going to have a baby. And the angel Gabriel says to Mary, For with God, nothing, nothing shall be impossible. Not Elizabeth conceiving a son in her old age. 
Not you, Mary, conceiving a child by the Holy Ghost. Nothing shall be impossible with God. This is the miracle of Christmas. I'm amazed that throughout the Bible, God often worked His greatest works through impossibilities, through barrenness. Sarah, the barren wife of Abraham. Rachel, the barren wife of Jacob. Hannah, the barren wife of Elkanah. Elizabeth, the barren wife of Zechariah, the mother of John the Baptist. And when God wants to do something really great, He always begins with an impossibility. That is what miracles are all about. It is when God suspends the laws of nature to let us know that He is Almighty God and there is nothing too hard for Him. Amen. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me, According to thy word. And the angel departed from her. No matter how powerful God is. And what he chooses to do. He does rely on our cooperation. On our consent. And you could say that the incarnation. God in flesh. This all hinges on Mary saying. Be it unto me. According to thy word. Mary said yes to the miracle. So tonight I wanted to just give an overview of the Christmas miracles of prophecy, of the census, of the angelic announcement, of Zechariah and Elizabeth, of Simeon and Anna, of the wise men, of the provision and protection of God and of the virgin birth. And the focal point of this miracle and our text tonight came from a prophecy spoken by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah 7:14 on the screens. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. It was fulfilled in Matthew 1, 22 and 23, quoting Isaiah, Matthew 1, 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah doesn't define it, but Matthew does which being interpreted is God with us. 